0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Anita Marks with you. Hour 3, really hour 4 if you uh, listened to our on the Tee golf show earlier this morning. It is Sunday Funday on 98.7 ESPN presented by Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier makes cocktails. Uh, from Ordinary to Unforgettable, adding a layer of sophistication to some of the world's most well-loved cocktails. And joining us is Steve Verderos former Giant Scout for 33 years. And he's got a fantastic book out, So You Want to Be an NFL Scout? Stories of the Draft Players and Over 30 Years of Traveling on the Road. It's a phenomenal book. I uh, highly recommend it, especially if you want to get a jump start on your Christmas gifts. Listen, uh, Halloween's going to be here before we know it. And then, of course, uh, we know the holidays are going to be here before we know it. And so it's always good to get a jump start. Steve, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for the promo. I really appreciate it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So uh, so this book, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, all about his time. Probably Chapter 8, How Eli Manning Became a New York Giant, uh, is, is a really, really good read. Uh, I think Your Life on the Road... Is an interesting read as well for folks out there, really football enthusiasts who really want to know what it's like to be a scout in the NFL and all that you sacrifice and all that you have to do, being away from your family as long as you are. Uh, also, chapter sixteen relationships I found interesting. So it, it really is a, an interesting read, uh, especially folks out there who want who who really want a, a peek behind the curtain of what it really takes uh, to help a team have as much success as Steve Verderosa helped the Giants in his 33 years. So, Steve, we welcome you in. First things first, um, I know it's been a minute since we've had you on. Uh, Daniel Jones, right? Like, did you, when when you were scouting him, and and I know you and I have, have spoke several times in, in regard to Daniel Jones and him being the starting quarterback of the Giants, uh, your thoughts on, on on him coming into this season? A, what you've seen from him? B, the talent that is around him now, C, his head coach and his offensive coordinator. Do you feel that, that Daniel Jones uh, could be in, in, a, in an even better situation? I don't. I, I'm excited for what's to come for him this year.
2: Oh, listen, I'm very excited for him. Um, obviously, the tangible things the young man always had. He had the height, um, the athleticism, the arm strength. All the tangible things that you look for for that position to be an outstanding player, he had. So then you look at the intangibles. Well, well at Duke, you know, I, I've said this to you before, and um, in tongue-in-cheek, you know, he was thrown to a bunch of 5'8 accountants. So the, the supporting cast, he never had there. Yet, he raised the level of play of the players around him. They went to three bowl games. Uh, he was highly successful in a tough league. Um so I didn't really think that there was any downsides to this guy, only the arrow up. and Then you look at the early part of his career, the, the change in offensive coordinators, the change in head coaches, the changes in, in systems, uh, the lack of uh, top talent around him at the various skill positions, um, and then his own injury uh, situation can do nothing but retard uh, any player's progress. But the way he came through last year, um, finally he has the opportunity to be in the same system for multiple years in a row, which hasn't happened since he's been in college. So, to me, the arrow is up, and the Giants organization has done a great job with uh, upgrading the talent around him. Uh, obviously, you have a couple of young bookend tackles that hopefully will be there for 10, 12 years and, and be able to keep him upright. Um, Saquon is, is in the fold. And so you have a premier running back. Now you have a a excellent tight end to give you that inside receiving threat that um, he hasn't had really in the past. And now the outside receivers, you've got a lot of people to choose from. So to me, the arrow is up. They're in a very, very tough division. Uh, Not that there's an easy division in the NFL, despite what some people in the media might think. Every game is a hard game, no matter who you're playing or what, what the team's record is. So um, I am really optimistic about what he can do. And just watching him in the preseason game that he played, uh, looking at the stuff that I could see online, um, and watching last year's tape, which I, you know, you can do, watching the coach's tape, um, the arrow is up for him. He's, he's only going to get better. I think he's going to have a great year. I think all the naysayers that always poo-pooed taking the guy that we took, uh, when I was there, um, you, you want to say, I told you so. And I think that's really going to happen this year. So, um,
1: you know, it's, arrow you know, up. It, it's, it's interesting. Uh, go ahead.
2: No, I'm just saying the arrow up for me is, is big time. Uh, I'm looking for great things for him this year and for the team.
1: Um, sorry to interrupt you. I was, uh, I was, I was golfing. This was like a, a few months ago. I want to say back, I'm trying to think when, um, and I was at, uh, Liberty, uh, national, which now uh, Daniel gets his new contract. So now he's a member at Liberty national. Uh, and so, uh, he was playing in front of me with Sills, and, um, and so had an opportunity to, uh, to, to cross paths. And, uh, we both, he, he was in a cart. I was walking, uh, he got out, uh, to say hello. And I was just like, Whoa, like, uh, like, with all due respect i'm calling him a boy coming out of duke uh but man has he grown into a man right like mm-hmm. uh, like he really has now he really i mean steve i know it's been a minute since you've seen him he really now has developed into uh, like like really a specimen and i was just like he got out of his golf cart and i took a step back and i was like daniel like whoa like i hadn't seen him in a minute right because <laughs> I'm not over there at the Giants facility. I don't, obviously, as you know, I don't work for the broadcast team anymore. So, um, so I was taken back. Uh, I'm So just his stature alone, very impressive. Love the addition of Darren Waller. Really excited about this offense and, and him. I, if you can't talk about the importance, Steve, of what it's like for, you, you talked about all the coaching changes and everything that he's had to deal with, learning new systems, but the advantage of coming into a season back-to-back knowing the system and what that does for you mentally as a quarterback.
2: So look at the difference between Eli. I just used the, the analogy of Eli from 19, from his first year of 04 to 05. Um, in the first couple of times he got on the field, it was, it was a train wreck. And then the second year, um, you know, we won 11 games and went to the playoffs. So um, big difference. I think for him, just the comfort level of, of and and a lot of the, the concepts from one offense to the other in the NFL are very, very similar, but it could be the, the nomenclature or the verbiage that you have to learn and then be able to, um, you know, uh, regurgitate it out to your players. And, and, and there's no lag time in your, between the, the message from your brain to your mouth, um, all players that have to go through that, it takes a while. so for him, uh, I think he's got to really be way ahead of the curve of where he was this time last year, which can only help.
0: Uh,
1: t- talk about Darren Waller for me. I- I'm so excited for this pick and and I know you don't you don't play fantasy football. I do uh, I am reaching for Darren Waller in my fantasy football drafts. I want this guy on my roster. Um, I know there's a huge risk reward there because uh, lack of being able to stay healthy in Las Vegas, uh, but on top of that, you know you know this medical staff with the giants better than most. Your thoughts on Darren Waller, the addition to him, how he's going to help uh, Daniel Jones and what your expectations are for him this season and Brian Dable's system?
2: Listen, you know, this, this young man to me, the, 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 whatever they get out of him would be a plus. Because he he's a human success story. Because this young man, when he was at Georgia Tech, uh, was misused in the offense that the Georgia Tech uh, employed at the time, and he was a train wreck off the field. So the the maturity of him, both physically and mentally, to get a life together, to to accomplish what he's accomplished. I, I mean, you you give people like him gigantic kudos, and you're happy for them for the success the success that they are now enjoying um, and like i said the success off the field not just the success on the field so for me um, watching him play a little bit that you saw at the raiders a couple of years ago when he was outstanding you said who is this guy because he was strictly a wide receiver uh, an underused wide receiver in a triple option offense at georgia tech um and a guy that that didn't take care of his body and and now um his life is in order, and he's a bona fide NFL player. And when healthy and performing on the field, you'd have to say, you know, he's a at least the top half dozen players in the league at his position. So um, he'll be he'll be an asset to the Giants big time as long as he's able to play and line up on Sunday.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, some news this week: Isaiah Simmons. Traded from the Arizona Cardinals to the Giants for just a seventh-round pick. As we know, this guy went first round to the Cardinals. Hefty expectations. I just don't feel they used him properly. Uh, he did start last night against the Jets. Um, interesting to see how Wink Martindale is going to utilize him in his in this system. Is this, is this an absolute steal for the Giants to only have to give up a seventh-round pick? What are your thoughts on, on Simmons in this, this defensive system?
2: Well, when you're looking at the Giants, who, who are the pass rushers? You know, ojalari has been hurt, and you hope that he can stay on the field. And and Kayvon Thibodeau is going into his second year, and you know he he can be a legitimate uh, threat as a pass rusher in the National Football League. Well, who else do they have? The big guys in the interior? You know, you, you, you want to have some pass rush from your D tackles, but those aren't the guys that you're counting on to get to the quarterback. So they definitely needed another guy. So – Um, he's in the last year of his contract. He's a first-round pick. So if it doesn't work out, you've given up a seventh-round pick to take a flyer on a guy who has a ton of natural ability. Um, As far as him being misused, uh, when he was at Clemson, he was definitely the Swiss Army knife that could do everything. He rushed the passer from the wide-nine technique. Uh, He was an off-the-ball linebacker. Uh, He played over 150 snaps in over almost 800 defensive snaps as a slot corner playing man-to-man defense against wide receivers in the ACC. Now, is that what you really want him to do? No, but it just was a testimony to his athleticism. At almost six foot four and 230 pounds, those are rare guys that can do that. To me, you want this guy being off the ball, using him in multiple spots. Uh, and and being that rush that, uh, guy that you could use from inside, outside, scheme them. Um, you know, if you've got to double those big guys inside or double the edge guys, somebody's got to come free. So uh, he could be the wild card that they're looking for. Um, I'm really excited that they made the trade because I loved him when he was coming out. Um, I've said this to other coaches at the time. You know, this is a tight end league, and you look at guys – around the league at that position that just torch people. Um, uh, Kelsey in, in, Kansas city, when you're playing against a five foot nine corner, you know, there's a physical mismatch there. You take a guy like Isaiah Simmons now and walk him out. Is he going to play man to man against a guy like that? Or is he going to come off the edge and rush? There's a lot of things you can do with him. Um, find out what he does best. And I'm sure these coaches will do that and then use them to his strengths. Uh, playing him as a as a single high safety in, in Arizona to me was was a waste of time um, and obviously they felt if that's where he was playing in, in the preseason they weren't getting enough out of him so they made a move so hopefully it's a big positive for the Giants uh, like I said uh, I was very high on him coming out because he has rare athletic ability that uh, you just can't you you can't find that stuff so a guy Steve. that big that that, that athletic
1: yeah, it's it, it really, really unbelievable. Steve Verterosa, uh joining us here on 98.7 ESPN, Giant Scout for 33 years. Uh, before I let you go, um, obviously we know what time it is offensively for the Giants. Really excited to see what, what Daniel's going to be able to do uh, with these pass catchers this season. Defense is going to be solid. Uh, last part of a team that doesn't get a lot of discussion, special teams. Um, you know, so your thoughts on special teams for the Giants, and last but not least, how do you feel that they compete in this division? If you had to uh, estimate how this uh, NFC East is going to finish, Eagles first, is it going to be Giants, Dallas second, third, Washington, like, so, uh, so two-part question. Number one, special teams. Number two, uh, what are your expectations for the Giants in this division this season?
2: Well, as far as special teams go, y- y- you want to, you want to keep the other team from scoring and, and you want to try to score some points. And again, last night, Graham, you you know, it, it, maybe the guy in Baltimore is a better kicker, but heck grand Gano is a weapon. And, and I, I think the giants have an edge there over all the other teams in their division for sure. So, but you don't want to always rely on, um, you know, three points instead of getting seven. Um, Special teams-wise, they have to make a decision just looking at their roster. Where are you going to get um, that receiver that's going to play on core special teams? It doesn't look that way because your starters, uh, you're not going to use those guys there. So um, you have three small slot receivers, whether it's Sterling Shepard or um, Jamison Crowder, or even Cole Beasley, those guys aren't going to play special teams. So you're going to have to, you have a young guy, how many wide receivers are you going to carry? So the bulk of your coverage teams are going to come from your defense. So a lot of those young defensive backs, um, are they good enough to make the roster? Because those are the guys you have to going to use to cover. Now we talked about uh, Mr. Simmons while he was at Clemson. He had 23 primary unassisted tackles on special teams coverage. If he's not going to be a starter or he's going to be a spot starter, you you need speed and size on defense and on special teams to cover punts. Um, So um, the Giants are going to have to get some special teams help from somewhere from those back-end guys on the defense, the linebacker group, and the secondary group. And hopefully that's enough to make them more than just competitors to
0: be difference-makers.
1: Right, and then and then finishing in the division. Do you feel that this is a squad that has what it takes to compete with, Look, with Dallas? I'm,
2: a, I'm always going to be a competitor. So you ask me where they're going to finish, and obviously I, I'll always bleed giant blue. They're going to win the division. You know, <laughs> to say, well, you know, on paper they're this, they're that. Right. Daniel Jones has a great season, and they have all these parts on offense that come together. The offensive line plays well, and they rush the passer. Now, do you think the Eagles are going to get 70 sacks every year? I don't think so. Um, you know, is Jalen Hurts, you know, yeah, he was one fumble away from maybe winning the Super Bowl, but hey, you know, does, is his skill set offensively better than Daniel Jones? Um, I don't think so. He's not as good a deep ball thrower. They both had over 700 yards rushing, so, um, and Dak Prescott can't stay healthy, and I'm not sold on their team. Um so <laughs> stack them the way you want. And Washington's probably wanna have something to say about it too, because defensively they're really solid. So it's gonna be a tough division. Um for my money, the Giants are gonna be right in there.
1: Great stuff as always, Steve. Really do appreciate you again, folks. So you wanna be an NFL scout, book out by Steve Verderosa. Again, get a jump start on your Christmas shopping, that's for sure. Steve, thank you so
2: much. Oh, my pleasure. By the way, how did you hit him when you were playing behind Daniel Jones? How'd how'd that golf round go?
1: Yeah, so my golf game has gone into the toilet because uh, I'm playing so much pickleball these days. So I don't want to talk about it.
2: Uh, Don't tell us about the pain. Just tell us the
3: baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) listen to you. Steve Verterosa joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. We'll come back. We'll take your calls. 800-919-3776. Nina Marks with you on this Sunday Funday here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: So um, I I know, Tom, you weren't on the show yesterday. It was Harvey and Joe. Throughout the show question, um, what would you go to the window with first on the over-under win totals for the Giants and the Jets? So uh, for the Giants, it's 7.5. For the Jets, it's 9.5. So, and and again, let me preface, so, you know, I don't uh, get Jets fans Panties all in a bunch. Um, I'm not sitting here saying that the Giants have a better roster than the Jets. All I'm saying is I think it's 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 a tall task to ask with the schedule and the fact that they play in the AFC, arguably the best the, the most competitive division in all of the NFL for the Jets to win ten games as opposed to the Giants to surprise some folks and win eight. So for me, if I was going to the window to bet either one of those overs, uh, for me, it would be the Giants winning eight games as opposed to the Jets winning 10. Do you agree or disagree with that?
4: I agree, but I also disagree. And here's why. The Giants, you mentioned the Jets are in the tougher conference, and I completely agree with you. But the Jets roster is ultimately going to be that much better with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, assuming he's healthy. And for whatever reason, I think he definitely should be healthy throughout the remainder of the regular season, throughout the regular season, I should say. And the Giants schedule is only going to get that much more difficult this year. It's not going to be as much of a cakewalk as they did last year. And they won a lot of those one score games that they might not get so lucky on in the future. So I am a Giants fan. But I feel like I'd feel like i be a little bit more comfortable betting the Jets to win 10 than the Giants to win 8. The Giants' floor ultimately, I think, is 6 wins. The very bottom floor, I think 7 or 8 is very reasonable for them. The Jets' floor, I think, is about 9 to 8 wins. And I, I would feel just a little bit more confident in the Jets, just granted, based on who they got as their starting quarterback and their roster as a whole, I feel much more comfortable putting the Jets at 10 wins than I do the Giants at 8.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Anita Marks with you on this Sunday fun day, a little bit earlier this afternoon or this morning, really. It's still 1130. Wow. Max Goodman joined me. Uh, He covers the Yankees from NJ.com. Going to replay that interview for you because it was so good. Are you Yankee fans? Uh, What to expect moving forward throughout the remainder of the season and into the
3: postseason?
1: My first question to him was, what has it been like covering the Yankees this season?
3: Well, I think it's easy to say in retrospect that, you know, I didn't necessarily expect them to be a a juggernaut this year. I don't think I ever publicized any predictions for uh, what the division was going to look like, but I thought the Yankees would be up there. I wasn't sure if they would win the division, but I thought they were a playoff team. Uh, and, you know, it's been that perfect storm in the worst way of the roster construction being an issue, the injuries uh, rearing their ugly heads again this year, the the veterans underperforming, the pitching staff faltering. Really, the bullpen has been the only consistent part of this roster all season long. Uh, judge missing two months didn't help. And, yeah, I mean, like you said, you, you look at the standings and they are in territory with some of the, the worst teams in the league and you look at the the run differential and some of the offensive numbers some of the defensive numbers some of the pitching numbers they're they're with the athletics with the tigers like this is not very yankee like uh for a team that is competitive and and trying to win a world series every year obviously they haven't uh, been back or, or really had a chance to win one since 09 uh, which i think is a testament to the frustration and and borderline fury from. This fan base at this point, they've been they've been clamoring for change, and you know we heard from Brian Cashman the other day. It, it seems like we could see some change this off season. He he made it clear that the organization as a whole is going to really evaluate what's gone on this season and maybe in recent years. But if you ask me, I think there's there's, there's a lot to change, right? I mean there's. There's a lot that went into a season like this, one of the worst seasons that we've seen uh from a Yankees team in, in recent memory, and I'm not sure how they fix that in in a couple of weeks in the offseason. It might it might take some more time than that.
1: Yeah, there there's no denying that. Um Ben Ruta, former Yankee in the minor leaguers was has been on my show quite often. Um was on a podcast last week, went viral. Uh, really kind of taking a look behind the curtain and letting us all in, in regard to how much the Yankees uh, front office relies on analytics more so than just rid really good old fashioned major league baseball coaching. Um, how much change do you think we're going to see there and how important that is for the success of this team moving forward?
3: Right. I know that that clip has, has circulated quite a bit. Um, what I'll say is that in the minor leagues, the, the Yankees on offense have been excelling. You know, they're they're one of the best teams in, in all of baseball in terms of production on offense in their farm system. The issue here is that it hasn't really translated to the big league level. And you look at the Yankees, which they're unique compared to other teams, maybe, in that they have an older roster in the big leagues and their payroll is so high because they're going out and trading for players and signing players that are much later in their careers. You look at the LeMayhues, the Stantons, the, the Donaldsons, right? The, the list goes on and on. So I think that what the Yankees need to figure out is how they can get their philosophies that have been thriving in the minor league level to succeed at the major league level. And whether that's bringing up more of the, the kids, like promoting Everson Pereira and Oswald Peraza, as they did, joining uh, Anthony Volpe in the big leagues. You know, Jason Dominguez was called up to triple-A, Austin Wells is there with him. They're they're one call away from the big leagues now. Spencer Jones is now up in Double A. So maybe it's a youth movement. Maybe it's finding more baseball minds rather than the the guys who are behind a computer. And that I think went into why Sean Casey was brought in to be the hitting coach. You know, we'll see if he comes back for next year. Uh, his his contract was only through the end of this season. So that's going to be a big part of this, Anita. It's, it's finding ways to, to bring the best out of this organization because the talent is there. And I think that the, the mission is correct. They they have the right philosophy and then that's, that's putting the ball in play and then hitting the ball hard, but you have to find a way to make sure that that's excelling against big league pitching. And then that's obviously easier said than done.
1: Max Goodman joining us here on 98.70 SPN looking big picture. Uh, as you could only imagine the calls, uh, that we all take here on 98.7 ESPN in regard to Cashman's got to go. You know, when, when you look at his success through the years, right, um, there's no denying 21 to 25, this is a team that has uh, made it to the postseason. Uh, a lot of ALCS, uh, unfortunately, can't get over the hump in regard to uh, to beating Houston uh, several times. But nonetheless, um, I look at this as an outlier year, right? Like, whenever anybody calls into the show and says, hey, that person's got to go, okay, give me somebody better that you're going to go out and and hire. That's first and foremost. Uh, Do you agree with that? And also, talk about the relationship between Howe and Cashman. Apparently, their families are very close. He just signed a four-year extension this past winter. I personally don't see Cashman going. Apparently, in September, there's going to be, like, a Cashman's got to go rally that's going to happen with Yankee fans. Your thoughts on, on how you see this all playing out?
3: Right. I heard about that. I saw that on Twitter. Um, I'm very interested to see how that the the rally or the, the day at Yankee Stadium turns out, because, you know, other teams have done that with, you know, the A's on their fan base trying to get the, the owner there to, to sell the team. So that should be interesting to follow. Um, I agree with you. I think that you have to look at, at Cashman's track record. And I know that that's uh, frustrating for a fan base that hasn't gotten that World Series. And certainly this year is, is an abomination. Um, but, you know, let's let's take what Cashman was telling us at his uh, impromptu presser, which is almost a week ago at this point. I mean, the language that he was using was really, I think, resonating with the fan base, you know, really admitting that this season was a disaster, that the entire organization feels embarrassed, and they think that what happened was horrific. You know, it's not like he was making excuses. He was using some of the strongest language that I've heard from someone affiliated with the organization since I covered the team uh, starting back in 2020. So that obviously doesn't fix what happened, but I think that it's a sign that Cashman is aware that change needs to be made, and if he's losing sleep over it, uh, then that's something that they're going to strive to change. Now, should he be losing his job over it is is another question to ask, and and I also agree with you. I don't necessarily think that, that Cashman's going to be the one that, that gets the ax as much as, if anyone should, it, it arguably should be him, right, because he constructs the roster and he has a big say in building the roster that that ended up failing as it did this season. Um you know one of my colleagues Bob Clapish at NJ Advanced Media he's reporting that Cashman's job is safe and that's from a high-ranking official within the organization if anyone it might be manager Aaron Boone that has to go and and that would be more of a scapegoat move than anything in my estimation because he is working with the roster that he was given. He can't control the injuries. Uh, he is a players manager, so he's trying to rally at the troops and, and bring the best out of those guys, and it's been a challenge for him as much as he's not immune to, to getting fingers pointed his way as well. So I think that change is coming. It is interesting, though, because we're not really sure who is going to lose a job, who's going to come in, and as you alluded to, we always have to remember that the grass isn't always greener right? You, you ask Yankees fans who they want to fill in. They want Derek Jeter. They want Don Mattingly as manager. They, they want these Yankees legends to come back. Uh, maybe those guys aren't attainable. Maybe they're not the right person to bring in. And surely the Yankees would do all their due diligence if they were to make a change. But just remember that Cashman has made a competitive roster basically every year he's been in charge. And the Yankees have been very close to a World Series with Aaron Boone at, at manager. I know close only counts in uh, horseshoes and hand grenades, so it doesn't doesn't help them. But uh, that's all, also something to think about.
1: Max, before we let you go, um, you know, just to sum this all up, how do you see this season playing out, and what can Yankee fans expect uh, in this off season? Uh, hopefully, it will be a, an offseason of hot stove as opposed to cold stove. As we know, Yankees came in top three payroll in Major League Baseball. Are you expecting more of the same? What changes are you expecting this offseason?
3: Right. I think to, to start the, the next six weeks or so, whatever it is for the rest of the regular season, I think it's it's a really important stretch for this team because they're going to start to take a look at some of the players that might really have a runway to, to stick around and start their careers full-time beginning next spring. And I mentioned them earlier – you know, is Everson Pereira the starting left fielder on opening day next year? Here's a chance for him to prove himself over these next six weeks. Can Oswald Peraza finally uh, take advantage of, of an opportunity? And this is his first full-time, consistent opportunity to to get playing time. Is he an answer at third base? Do they want to move him to second? What does the future hold for, for Glaber Torres? I, I think we'll probably see Austin Wells at some point before the end of the year I doubt that we'll see Jason Dominguez, but if he excels in triple-A, he could be an answer in center field towards the beginning of next year, which brings us to a Harrison Bader. You know, will he come back? He's a a pending free agent after this season. So there are a lot of moving parts here, a lot of um, roster decisions that are going to start to be uh, talked about behind the scenes and and things that we need to keep an eye on uh, as the season comes to an end. Also, will Garrett Cole win his first Cy Young? I think that's, that's an appointment viewing whenever he goes out and takes the mound as as he uh he did in in tampa on friday he, he's still pitching really well and i think that it's important that uh you know the fan base gives him his his support and, and we'll see if he can win an award uh and and then for the offseason you know this could be a chance for them to reset some of the luxury tax penalties if they want to have some of their their kids play beginning next year they could take some steps back in payroll but a part of me thinks that how Steinbrenner, the owner seeing all of this all of this, you know, bleep go down this year and, and how bad the team has been, I think he'll go out and try to make this team better. And whether that's trading away some pieces uh, or or signing some of the best guys out there, I don't think he'll be inactive necessarily, but some of the activity might just be uh, behind the scenes and, and building the environment with the coaching staff and, and front office and analytics team and, and all that good stuff. Uh, to, to foster success so you know as as we keep as we keep saying uh, could be a lot of change but we're not exactly sure what it's going to be just yet so so stay tuned
1: great stuff as always max really do appreciate your time on this sunday morning thank
3: you of course thanks for having me
1: again max goodman joining us you can see his work all over nj.com we come back some final thoughts as we are passing the baton on to larry hardesty he comes your way at high noon right here on 97 espn
0: you're listening to Anita Marks on ninety-eight point seven ESPN.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, mama. Gloria. Gloria. I think I got your number. Do you know the words of this song, Thomas? Gloria. I
4: know that word, Gloria.
1: You're on the run, the run. now. To you gotta get doesn't this song like doesn't this get your get you going?
4: Uh, sure. It's not the first song that's, that that's, comes. That's to mind. not
1: convincing. That well, it's convincing. not
4: the it's not the first song that comes to mind. I'm sorry, it's a Breakdown. little bit before my time.
1: So I have this big bump box. Are you familiar with a bump box? Is?
4: is that anything like a jukebox?
1: It's 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 like it's like a beat box. It's called bump box. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they just you, you see like Debo Samuel has it. You see him when he comes out of the the locker room for the 49ers. He's already, he's got a big one. Mine mine is not as big as his, but um, anyway. So I, I have this really cool bump box that I take to the pickleball courts with me. Um. And it's, it's awesome. So I'm I'm like, so like, I'm like, not only, not only, not, not only am I playing pickleball, I'm like, I'm like the pickleball court DJ.
4: So what type of music do you play out on the pickleball
1: like court? Like that one, like Gloria. Well, it's interesting. I like to start off the morning because usually I get out there at like 630 in the morning. So I like to start it slow and then, and then ramp it up. So a lot of like 70s and 80s in the morning. And then like by like 10, 30, 11 a.m., then we get into like summer hot hits. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's how I roll. That's how I roll. I know we've got about two minutes left in the show before Larry Hardesty takes over. Um, a few things, uh, you know me, always like to help you win some money. Again, if you tuned into our golf show, Victor Hovland at the top leaderboard at 20 under. Uh, he's he's going to run away with this bad boy. I, I, I truly believe that. But you can wager that Shoffley finishes second. And you could get that at plus 135. That's how I would roll. Also, Keegan Bradley needing to perform well to impress Zach Johnson because he wants to be on the Ryder Cup team. I got him with a better fourth round over Colin Morikawa. And you could get that at plus 130. So that's how I would play that. What else is going on? Uh, We've got a football game later on tonight. The Texans going up against the Saints. And I like the under here. I think we're going to get a lot of C.J. Stroud, and he's been no bueno this season um, for a number of reasons. Uh, He doesn't have a lot of support, let's be honest. 9-16, 73 yards, and a touchdown, an interception, sorry, in two games. Uh, Meanwhile, for the Saints, um, I think we're going to get a small dose, no Derek Carr, small dose of Jameis Winston. Uh, Their third and fourth string quarterbacks are going to play. More importantly, their defense. Not that I'm expecting defensive starters to play, but they have a pretty solid defense with a lot of depth. So I think the play here is the under tonight in the Texans-Saints game. I'm going to go under 38 for that game total. Major League Baseball, uh, you've got the Yankees and the Mets in action today. I'm not putting any of my hard-earned money on either of those games I am going to play the Cubs on the money line. They've won six of their last eight. They're going up against the Pirates. Uh, Bailey Falter is pitching for the Pirates. He is no bueno against left-handed hitters. And the Cubs have five southpaws in their lineup. And I also like the Rangers on the money line. Uh, I know that they've been in the midst of a skid, but they need to stop it. And they have. They won their last game. Seattle is 10 and one. Uh, The Rangers need to turn around. I think, I think they will pick up where they left off. Also. I like the fact that Montgomery is pitching for them today with a seven, three ERA since he joined the squad. So that's how I'm playing major league baseball, Texans, saints, a little golf. Uh, This week I'm in for Bart and Han Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We kick off our gambling show on Friday night at 10 o'clock And then back with you on Saturday, off Sunday and Monday for Labor Day. Everybody, thank you so much.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.